0: All right, guys, we are continuing with our teaching in the book of Revelation. Now, the last time we were here in chapter 19, we were dealing with the second advent of Jesus. That is the return of Jesus on the clouds with his saints. And he came in the atmosphere of waging war against the Antichrist who along with his armies and the gathered Gentile armies of the world, most of them anyway, who were seeking to kill and destroy the remaining Jewish people. While the Antichrist was um, seeking to kill all of the Jews back in chapter 18, Revelation 18, that is, we know that some of his enemies surrounded the capital city, that is Babylon, and took advantage of the absence of the Antichrist and destroyed Babylon. But nevertheless, while the Antichrist was still gathered outside of Petra, uh, being summoned, that is influenced by demonic spirits, along with the rest of the Gentile armies to kill all of the Jews, Jesus returns, that is, to save the Jews, bring to an end the day of the Lord, to which we cannot talk about at this time, but nevertheless, Jesus returns on the clouds to wage war against the Antichrist, fulfilling Isaiah, what is that? chapter 34, I believe it is, chapter uh, 63. I also believe it is when Jesus returns to destroy, to literally, kill so many thousands upon thousands of people, the Antichrist and his armies, as we begin the setting up of the millennial kingdom. All right, so that brings us into chapter 20. Now, what I'm gonna do in chapter 20, I'm gonna take my time. I'm not gonna try to uh, do all of chapter 20 in simply one video, but I think I'm gonna break it up into like two, or maybe three videos so that you can get a really good understanding of what's going on, okay? All right, with that being said, chapter 20, as we have just said, as I just said, we have Jesus in the second advent, that's the return of Jesus, okay? He has now come and killed so many of his enemies and the enemies of the Jewish people, the enemies of all righteous people at that particular time namely the armies of the Antichrist. Before we begin, this is what we call the beginning of the millennial kingdom. So we are in kind of like a, a pre type of a setup phase. So right before we begin the kingdom, chapters, uh, chapter 20 verses one through six basically sets us up for what Jesus does before he sets up the kingdom. And we see that with the binding of Satan, and this will also include the demons. So when we say Satan, that includes all demonic spirits. But the idea is, the binding of Satan for the full duration of the 1000 years and also what is not talked about here, but is inclusive of in this particular scenario. That is before we set up the kingdom. And I don't want to get into it because it's not in Revelation chapter 20, but it is still inclusive of what's taking place during that time is Matthew chapter 25 31, I think verse up to 31 to the end of the chapter. I think that's 43 or 46 verses, something of that nature. But Jesus talks about when he returns, the son of man returns in his glory and he sets up before he sets up the kingdom, he gathers all of the Gentiles, the nations, this Gentiles only Gentiles only. And what does he do? He set the sheep on the right hand, he says the goat on the left hand. I did that in reverse, but nevertheless, you get the picture. And this is the, the sheep on the right hand coming to the kingdom. The goat on the left hand, which, are, which is the unsaved, are killed and go into hell, Gehenna, the place that burns with fire and brimstone. So this is the judgment of the righteous Gentiles and judgment of the unrighteous Gentile and that begins the millennial kingdom. And we uh, we call that again, millennial kingdom, millennial meaning 1000 years, same thing as the messianic reign. And this this is what the prophets of the Old Testament were looking forward to, okay? So this is the scene that we have basically in Revelation 20 and uh, verses one through six, As we, uh, these things happened before we have what is called the marriage supper of the lamb. And that is, this is the festive time that after Jesus has married the church in heaven. And this took place in Revelation chapter 19, the marriage of Jesus and the church in heaven. Go and check that video out if you haven't. When the church marries Jesus and then the church The people celebrate the marriage of Christ and his wife, the church. We see that also in the book of Ephesians chapter five. Okay, so this marriage supper will take place also at the beginning of the millennial kingdom after the judgment of the Antichrist, his armies, after the judgment of the Gentile nations, and then we'll have the marriage supper of the lamb as we enter into the 1000 years of the reign of Christ on earth. And this is what is set in Revelation chapter 20, verses one through six, okay? Now, with all of that being said, We are now able to go into the verses directly and see what it's talking about. But you already know. But let's just simply go into the verses. Revelation 20 verse number one. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and the great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. Let's just go on to verse number three. And he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not be, so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. So remember what I just said, this is before the the reign of Christ, before all of these things are set in motion, the reign, what happens? He takes Satan along with his other demonic spirits. Satan is the head, so all of the rest of them implied are inclusive of this, and they are bound in what is called the bottomless pit. Abuso is the word that is being used, okay? Now, this key that the, angel, okay, key, Revelation 21, I'm slowing it down, nothing more than a symbol of authority. So this is God's authority given to this particular angel to bind Satan, to put Satan in chains to bind him. So Satan's freedom and his power to deceive. We see that in verse number three. Is Satan is restrained from his usual uh, activities, upon the earth with mankind. And that's basically what we see. And he's put into this thing called the abyss. Now, with respect to the abyss, I talked about this earlier. Go check out the video that I did upon um, uh, the four compartments of hell. What is hell, okay? But nevertheless, in the compartments of hell, there are two places for angels. That is, the abyss, what we're talking about now, sometimes called the bottomless pit, and Tartarus, we see that spoken of by Peter in the letter that Peter had written. uh, Let's talk about Tartarus first. Tartarus is the permanent abode for angels that sinned back in Genesis chapter six, during the time of Noah, the angels that took physical form and had sexual relationships with human women and created hybrid, that is half breed, half angels, half human children. And these angels that sinned in that that capacity were chained permanently in Tartarus and they will not be released until judgment day to be put into the lake of fire. That's one compartment for angels. Okay. The second compartment of confinement for angels is the abyss. That's what we're talking about right now. The abyss, the abyss is a temporary abode for demonic spirits. In other words, when you would see, remember when, when Jesus came, I believe it was into the coast of the Gadara and the angels, the demons that were embodied that man asked Jesus don't cast them into the abyss, but allow them to go into the swine. And Jesus did so. Remember that the abyss is a temporary place of confinement for demon spirits. They don't go there forever. They go there for a temporary length of time and then they are released. This is the place where we see this great and powerful angel taking Satan and putting him in chains, putting Satan into this place. Notice again, it is a temporary place of confinement. Why? Satan will only be confined for a thousand years. Now, even though a thousand years is a long time, still Satan will be released again. We see that at the end of verse number three, he'll be released for a short time, but I'm not there yet. So I'm not going to talk about that quite yet. All I'm trying to make you understand is the difference between Tartarus, the permanent place where angels that sin back in Genesis six times are kept and are still being kept. They are still there until the great judgment day and the difference between the abyss, a temporary place where angels, and these are all demonic angels always, good angels are never kept. They're free, they do God's will. But these bad angels are kept in the abyss, temporary place. This place is the place where Satan is now being confined for the beginning of the millennial kingdom, okay? Remember verse number two, and it says that Satan, notice it references him with his archaic names, his names. It calls him the serpent of old. It gives us an allusion of, All the way back unto Genesis chapter three, when we have the temptation of the original man, Adam, by the serpent. So that whole so you have to keep in mind that whole idea how the serpent was instrumental in making making the man or should I say influencing, influencing Adam to fall. Satan was present in the Garden of Eden then to influence Adam. And so it's given the same illusion that Satan in those same activities will now be restrained as he was able to influence Adam in the garden of Eden to fall. He will not be able to influence the human race during the 1000 years to fall. So the whole point is mankind will be free to make decisions without demonic influence, without the influence of Satan and his angels for the entire duration of the 1000 years. So let me back it up a little bit so you'll understand it even better. When Jesus returns, okay, it's not the end of all things. The program of God will still be continuing. The human race, Will still be on the earth. There will be, and, and might as well just just so you'll understand. There is the church who was raptured. They return with Jesus. Okay, they're on the earth. This is the this is the bride that will be celebrated during uh, that first part of uh, the reign of Jesus Christ. Remember, I talked about the feast, the uh, the the supper, the marriage supper of the lamb. So there is Christ. People in resurrected bodies, you have to understand that resurrected bodies in these resurrected bodies. Remember what Jesus said? They neither marry nor are given in marriage. So everyone who is resurrected, they will not marry. There will be no sexual encounter. In other words, no sex. So they will not produce children. All right this includes the resurrected saints and and I'm a little premature, but I might as well tell you this includes the resurrected saints of the old Testament. So all of the old Testament saints from Daniel all the way up until the last old Testament saints at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because everybody who died before the resurrection of Jesus Christ who were saved are included in the body of what is called the old Testament saints. They will resurrect according to what the scriptures teach in Daniel chapter 12. So, all Old Testament saints also will resurrect. We'll see that also in Revelation chapter 20. These, and, and so that's group number two, and those saints who died during the tribulation. You'll also see that in Revelation chapter 20. They will be a part of the group who will be resurrected at the second advent of Jesus Christ. So you got three groups who have resurrected eternal bodies. They do not marry. They do not have sexual encounters. They don't reproduce, okay? They live forever. That's group number one, all right? If you let me say it that way. Along with them, remember, you got other people who are already alive. When Jesus come back, you have those Jews, the one third who remain alive, who are saved. You have the Gentiles who were not killed by Jesus. Remember Matthew chapter 25, the Gentiles who were the right hand of Christ, the sheep who are saved. These, all those Jews and Gentiles are in human Form. They are human beings with the ability to procreate and what they will do is they will repopulate the earth during those full 1000 years. And that's what you see. So the world will be repopulated during those full 1000 years. And also the world will be renovated. Isaiah chapter 65, renovated, restored, because remember in the tribulation, the world was almost completely destroyed. So there'll be a renovation of all things. So remember you have two hybrid groups of people. You have the resurrected saints, the church. You have the Old Testament saints. You have the uh, bringing back to life of those who died during the tribulation. Eternal resurrected bodies, they do not reproduce. They do not die either. Then you have the human population of those saints. Remember those who were alive they are able to reproduce and they will have children. And since I'm here, so that you'll understand it, and it'll also help me to shorten the rest of this video. The children who come from those people, except the Jewish people, I'm talking about Gentiles alone, Gentiles alone, so I might as well tell you. Concerning the Jews, we see this in Zephaniah, And we also see this in Zechariah. We even see it in the writings of Apostle Paul. But just to make a long story short, the Jews who are just regular human beings, they will continue to live for the full duration of the 1,000 years. They will populate the, the nation of Israel. They will have children. All of their children and even their children's children will receive Jesus as their Messiah. That's when Zephaniah say they'll never sin. They'll never even tell a lie. They will always be saved. That fulfills what the apostle Paul talks about. But the point is, the Jews will always be saved throughout the whole millennium. Their children will choose Jesus as Messiah, Jesus who will be reigning in Jerusalem Jesus, the God of the Jews, he'd be the God of the whole world at that time. Okay. But the point is the Jews will always be saved every generation thereafter. Now, but with respect to the Gentiles, it will be different. The the first group of Gentiles, remember Matthew 25 again, those Gentiles who come into the kingdom will be saved forever. Forever. However, all of their children who come after them, some of them will not be saved. As a matter of fact, as we move through the millennium to the end, towards the end of those 1,000 years, the vast majority of the Gentiles will not be saved. They will turn away from Jesus And those Gentiles will end up rebelling against Jesus at the end of the millennium. This fulfills Psalm 2. And they will once again be involved with with Satan once he is released from those 1,000 years being bound in the abyss. Those Gentiles will gather together, headed by Satan in a war against Jesus for the final battle, and then you will have judgment day where they will be finally sentenced, not to hell, but the lake of fire. So that's basically how this particular thing ends. But what I wanted you to see was those Gentiles, and here's the thing, during the kingdom time, you will have, for the Gentiles, for the Gentiles, 100 years to make a decision. And we see that, I believe that's in Isaiah chapter 64 when it talks about longevity will be restored for the human race. That is, notice when you go back to the Old Testament, go back in your mind, or even just turn to the scripture and look at Genesis chapter four, chapter chapter five. Notice how long people live hundreds of years to almost a thousand years. Remember, you had Methuselah to live 969 years, I believe that is. But longevity of life will be restored during the millennial kingdom, okay? So all Gentiles will be given an opportunity to receive Jesus of a 100 years, Isaiah 65. If the Gentile has not received Jesus by 100 years, that person will be executed. And that's why it means will be considered a curse, a curse from God to be killed and disposed. So the Gentile who does not receive Jesus within that 100 years will be killed and therefore does not live out the natural life that he could have lived out which will be for the duration of the full 1000 years because that person was not saved. Okay. So this is how we'll be during the millennial kingdom. All of the Jews and even their children will be saved and choose Christ, but the Gentiles The first generation will be saved and live for the 1000 years complete. And later on, they'll be given uh, all men will be given glorified bodies, but I'm not going to deal with that yet. But all of the Gentiles will who come into the kingdom will be saved initially, but their children will not be. Some will be. Some will not will be. And in the end, towards the end of the kingdom, most of them, as you'll see in Revelation chapter 20, well, all of this is spelled out. Most of them will not be saved and rebel against Jesus at the very end. But we said all of that before I run out of time to deal with the binding of Satan. And why is this done? He is bound. Now I'm finally at verse number three so that he does not deceive the world. So he is bound so that the whole Gentile world will have an opportunity to see Jesus, to experience the renovation, the restoration, the goodness of God, the goodness of the Messiah. You have an opportunity without demonic influence to receive Jesus and be saved. And that's why we see that at the end of verse number three. Notice that he cannot deceive the nations and the nations is in plural because it references the Gentiles and that's the normal sense of the thing, okay? And Satan will be bound for a thousand years, but notice only for the thousand years and then after that, he'll be released for a little while, okay? And this is what will be the final battle of Satan against Jesus Christ, for this will only take place for a little while. But now let's finally finish verses four through six and we'll finish this particular section of Revelation chapter 20. Then I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the Word of God, and those who had not worshiped the beast or his image, and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand, and they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of, and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Okay. So now let's talk about this part. All right, so now we are moving progressively into the setting up of the kingdom. And so notice what John says now. He saw thrones and those who sat upon the thrones. And notice here that thrones is in the plural. So. It is now talking about Jesus. First of all, we know that Jesus comes to rule, king of kings, Lord of lords. He sits upon the chief throne over the whole world, all right? Remember also, Jesus made a promise to his disciples, that is to the apostles in particular, in particular, and what did he say? He said that you who have been with me you will sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So we'll see thrones given to those who will rule in Israel. And this will only be for Jews. Jews and Jews only will rule over the apostles, over the 12 tribes, along with resurrected David. And I don't have time to get into all of that, but we will see those who rule over Israel. Jews and Jews only. But also, there will be Gentiles. Remember, Israel is just a small place. The rest of the world is a large place. And therefore, there will be resurrected Gentiles. Remember when Jesus talked about the good servant. He gave some of his servants, I gave some Ten, I gave this servant five, and I gave this one one. And to those who were faithful, what did he say? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. Now watch it carefully. I will make you a ruler over many things. Now, this is where we have those who have been resurrected From among, and and even those who probably may live, we don't exactly know, but amongst the Gentiles, there will be rulers, kings and rulers distributed all over the world, all over the world for Jesus. Jesus will make them, he will give them, make them kings and rulers, sit them on thrones throughout the whole world and they will rule the world in the name of Jesus all over the world, to make a long story short. Okay, let's get back to the verse. And so then it talks about, notice, those who were beheaded, and I'm gonna read the verse all over again. They beheaded because they didn't worship the beast, they didn't receive the mark of his testimony, they came back to life. This goes to what I said to you earlier. Those people who were killed, during the seven-year tribulation, killed by the Antichrist, killed by the corrupt church. We see that in Revelation chapter 17. Okay. We see that also in Revelation chapter 13, killed by the Antichrist and the corrupt church. They were resurrected again, and they too were rewarded with the reward of resurrected eternal life. Remember, they have resurrected bodies, so they don't multiply. They don't have sex. They don't marry. They were resurrected and they were given as a reward eternal life and also allowed to reign on thrones with Jesus Christ, okay? And verse number five talks about the rest of the dead. So, Remember, from the time of Adam, from that time, men died all the way up until this period where we're talking about right now in the book of Resur- in Revelation. Right now, this is what is referred to as the first resurrection. Okay. So from the time that men died, when God first made Adam up until this present time, which is the first resurrection, men were dying. This is called the first resurrection. So the reference in verse number five to the rest of the dead deals with all of those people who died from the time of Adam up until this time. The rest of those dead. They did not resurrect because they are the unrighteous dead. So what verse number five is letting us know is from the time of Adam up until this time, everybody who had died, The righteous dead, the righteous dead only were resurrected. You got it? So they came to life, but the unrighteous dead remained dead and they did not resurrect until after the millennial kingdom, until after the 1000 years were completed because, because, After the millennial kingdom of Jesus, and you'll also see this at the end of Revelation, chapter 20, will be the great judgment day. So that's when all the dead will be resurrected. And in this resurrection, and I know I'm a little premature, but since I'm here, let me tell you. In this resurrection, all those who resurrect at this time, all of them are unsaved. None of them who rise in the second resurrection are saved. They are all unsaved. That's why, that's why we'll see in verse number six, it says, blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Why? Because those who are resurrected in the first resurrection are the righteous and are saved, and therefore they are considered blessed. But everybody who has died from the time of Adam, even up until the first resurrection, who did not resurrect, inclusive of, notice what I just said, inclusive of all those who died during the millennial kingdom, all of them are the unrighteous dead, so therefore they are considered to be accursed. They will not rise in a blessed form, they will they will rise. Notice, they will rise, but they will rise unto judgment. So therefore, they are considered to be accursed. So therefore, what it says, Revelation twenty and six, if you rise in the first resurrection and the first only, you are blessed. Why? Because all those who die and are resurrected later are part of those who are damned and therefore they will be cursed to the lake of fire forever and ever. But anyway, let me finish this out so we can close this whole section. So those who resurrect, notice it says, second death has no power. That means they will not die Again, and neither will they be placed into the lake of fire, which you will see is the second death. But what happens? They will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for the full duration of the thousand years. So those who reign, who resurrect again, will be priests of God. So let me make a final comment on this. It calls them priests of God. We know that In the resurrection, that is, in the return of Jesus Christ, when Jesus returns, he will set up a new house of God. That is, Jesus will build the fourth temple. And I don't have time to get into all of that. Not right now. But just let me give you the view. Jesus will rebuild the temple of God in the new Jerusalem. Okay. Not in the eternal Jerusalem, but in the millennial kingdom in that Jerusalem and the mountain of Jerusalem will all of a sudden it'll transform to be the highest place on earth. And that's where Jesus was set. The new temple, his temple where he himself in bodily form will reign. All right. Now I'm speaking about those who resurrect from the dead, but I'm speaking about Gentiles in particular. There we will see where the prophecy where Isaiah. Now here's what you got to see. According to the law of Moses, all right? Two things you need to see. Only those who come from the the Levites. The Levites can be of the priestly family. Only those who, now, of the Levites, of the Levites coming from them, are the family of Aaron. Aaron is a part of the family of Levites. Only those who are from the family of Aaron can be a priest. Now, all right, only those who came from the family of the Levites would qualify to be priests for the nation of Israel. Um, Yeah, that's right priest for the nation of Israel. All right. But in particular, you have to be from the family of Aaron. So the Levites would serve in the things of the tabernacle, in the things of the temple and from the Levites, that is the family of Aaron in particular, who Aaron family were Levites. Okay. You can be priests and the priests were allowed to approach God and serve God in the, in the temple. That is in the intercourse of the temple. And it will be from the family of Aaron they would choose the high priest. So the point that I'm making is, it is from the family of Aaron, which you will get the priest, who will be from the family of Levites and therefore they and they alone, they alone, it was restrictive, could serve in the temple. Now, however, if such a Levite was emasculated, that is his testicles were crushed in some way or another, you understand that? That Levite would be disqualified from serving, doing any service in the temple area. So that Levite would be disqualified but also if such a person say for instance, was a Gentile. Now this is what you got to get. If the person was a Gentile believer, that is a Gentile who had converted into Judaism and was a believer in the God of the Jews. Even if that Gentile was a believer, a Gentile under the law of Moses, was still not permitted to serve in the temple. See, serving in the temple was a great honor. To be a Levite is an honor. To be a priest is even a greater honor. And this particular honor was completely forbidden off limits to any Gentile whatsoever even if the Gentile was a believer. Remember in the book of Acts, how the Jews responded when they thought the apostle Paul had brought a Gentile into the temple, they had an absolute fit and Paul ended up being arrested because of that. But nevertheless, the point that I'm trying to bring is this. Now notice, according to Isaiah the prophet, The time will come, that is, during the return of Jesus. When he sets up the millennial kingdom, Jesus will set up the new temple in Jerusalem. And it was a a time, according to the law of Moses, when once, notice, the Jew who was emasculated, the Jew who was once restricted from serving, And even most important for all, and I like that because I myself am a non-Jew. I'm a Gentile, but I'm a believer in Jesus. But notice what Revelation 20 and 6 says. Here's where the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. To those foreigners who keep my Sabbath, to those foreigners who love me, The once restriction where they were once forbidden for serving in the temple of God, for serving as priests, the most treasured and honored position you can have in the temple. Even Gentiles, fulfilling Isaiah, will be allowed to serve in the new temple of Jesus In the millennial. So Jesus will give a new law and he will allow those who were once forbidden, restricted to serve as priests. He will allow those to serve as priests in the new temple. And thus it fulfills Revelation 20 and six. Notice what it says again. They will be priests unto God. All right. I know I got a little excited, but Revelation 20 talks about the setting up of the kingdom. And there are a lot of great things to happen, but anyway, join me for the rest as we talk about What happens at the end of the 1000 years and Satan is released and let's see what happens to the world, to those who have seen Christ, all of the wonders of the world, all of the goodness that Jesus brings. Let's see just how they respond to the goodness of God. They will do just what Adam did. They're going to mess up all over again, but we'll see about that. And I'll continue teaching in Revelation chapter 20.